This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question this week, what is gender and why does it matter? Okay, so our last episode raised a whole bunch of new questions about gender. Okay, so like what's gender all about? Why is it so central to our identities? How are constructions of gender disrupted? Like where do we even start? I don't know what to do. I think maybe we start a little bit with a definition. Okay. We go forward from there. Okay. So how do you define gender? Like what does it mean to you? I think of gender and I think about how it is socially constructed and I think about how we kind of talk in society about how there's two genders, but then I think we're getting better at talking about how gender is, there's a spectrum when it comes to gender. And more people, I think, are understanding that gender is not the same thing as biological sex, but I think there's still a lot of people that conflate those yeah, things. Yeah, like what do you think? maybe some misinformation about what that means. Yeah, how do you define it? Well, there, I mean, there's gender expression right. and gender identity, mm-hmm. and those can actually be different, which is is even splitting hairs further. But biological sex is like the body you came into this earth with. Um, and even that, it can be confusing because some folks are born intersex and they don't have a, like identifiable genitalia. Right, and which is so, what makes this even more complicated. Yeah, it makes it it's a lot of layers. And so your biological sex is like the body you came with. Your gender identity is how you feel your you how you feel about your gender, and then your gender expression is how you look when you express your gender identity. So is that like the choice of haircuts, the choice yeah. of clothing? Yeah, it's like your outward you your outward expression, and like your gender identity could not match your gender expression. Like it might be. Yeah, I think a lot of people get confused by that. Can you give mm-hmm. me an example of that? Um, like. You could be somebody who's like gender queer, like you feel like you're not, um, you're not, you're either like one or you're either both, um, you identify with both genders or neither, but maybe you look outwardly female, like you may have long hair or like kind of those traditional trappings of like gender expression, right? Yeah. So when I think, I mean, I think we got like a good foundation for definition. So let's explore some of those things. So if it's a social construct, you think these expectations and even our understanding of these definitions have changed over time? I think so because like even like I I wasn't that really aware of like gender identity and expression as something that was even really important to identity, I think for a long time because I'm cisgender. So I was born, the biological sex I came with Mm -hmm. to this earth matches my gender identity (laughs) and my gender expression. Yeah. It's very like, it's very matchy matchy. So I don't ever, I, I don't know for, for me as a, as one single person, it was very enlightening to learn about that. Like, Oh, other people don't have the same experience I do. Maybe I should learn more about that. Yeah. And I would say I fit probably the same identification as you do in terms of uh, cisgender and matchy, matchy, as you said, (laughs) very scientific there. So scientific. Um, (laughs) And I don't know, like, when I started to realize that that my experience is not the experience of a lot of other people. I think I saw other people with that experience, but 
it's different in your head when you yeah. realize something. And then even that's like we talked about privilege on this show. Like yeah. even that's a privilege to not have to think about how those right. things are connected or disconnected. And I remember being in high school. I went to this is so funny. I went to Olympia with some friends. Of course. And we of course. And we went to a concert. Do you know the band Harry and the Potters? <laughs> no. They you sound should. Terrible. They're great. Uh, <laughs> they make music about Harry Potter. Of course um, they do. They have a song called Voldemort Can't Stop the Rock. No. You need to listen to them. They're no. really great. They're super great. Um, I think they're still around, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but they, I went to this concert, and I saw this woman sitting next to me, and she had short hair, and she had really, like, she had hairy legs. And I remember thinking, whoa, she looks different than I do. Yeah. But there's something really beautiful and interesting about her just being like, I don't, I don't want to do the things that I'm supposed to do. I want to have hairy legs, and I want to have yeah. short hair, and I want to be myself, and, like, that's it. And I just respected that so much. And, like... I was like, wow, that's really cool. I don't know. It kind of opened my eyes to the experience of like how other people sh- like express their identity. It was very enlightening. Yeah, that's interesting. It reminds me of when I was a kid. Um, so growing up in the Philippines, little little girl identifying as a little girl. I loved jelly shoes, oh, which yeah. are amazing. I loved like pink dresses and all this kind of like frilly stuff. And then I don't know what. I can't, I, sometimes I think about this, I'm like, I don't know what, like, triggered this, but around, like, 9, 10, 11, I started, and maybe it was that pre-puberty stage, oh, yeah. but I started to realize, like, boys were being treated different than girls, and mm-hmm. then I felt like girls, it really sucked the way we were treated, and yeah. so, um, it was never from my parents, it was just from, like, just society. observation. Yeah. Yeah. Things around us, and the things we were not allowed to do, because I had this uh, weird fantasy at, like, 10 years old, that I would, like, play American football. Oh, yeah. As a girl, yeah, um, and that I would just like change things, and I don't even know. I think maybe part of it is I wanted to connect with my father, who was really into football, yeah. but he never put any of that on me. It was just me. Like you just thinking, saw, and you were like, I feel like yeah. I should fill that role. Yep. And in, in your life, dads, we call yeah. that uh, a lot of folks would call that a tomboy. So I remember as a kid being called a tomboy because I like to play a little rougher, yeah. and then and then I kind of shifted away from all the pink, the frills. And then getting into, like, puberty in high school, I mean, that's really crazy when you're trying to figure out yeah. how do I express myself, right? right? And so you're like, do I wear saggy pants? It's the 90s. Do I wear, like, dark lipstick? Do yeah. I wear a choker? Right. How does that all fit together? I remember I had I, I had Jinkos. Do you remember what those were? No, what's that? Oh, no, they're terrible. In the 90s, there were these, like, <laughs> wide leg pants, and oh, they were four yes. boys, and they had these big, yes, big huge pockets. And my brother wore them, and my brother was the coolest person that I knew. Yeah. Uh, and so I wore them, too, and I wanted to be cool like my brother, and it just, like... I look back at pictures and I'm like, I actually looked super awkward, I think because I was in middle school, not because of the <laughs> pants, but like they didn't help. A combination of things. Yeah. But did you do you remember culottes? Culottes, yes. And so maybe that was like I a, wore, a spin-off? Yeah, but they were full length pants. Yeah. Well I had like culotte yeah. capris, I yeah. guess for lack of a better of a better word. Yeah. And I had like dress culottes uh-huh. and then non dress culottes. Oh, I wore culottes in Girl yeah. Scouts as well. Oh what? They were uniform yeah. culottes. I remember this one outfit I had that were in the middle of China. Um, I'm like 15, and mm-hmm. it was definitely dress culottes, and I don't remember my top, but there's I also rocked Doc Martens because I felt mm. like that was like empowering, and so I I think back to those times like I was really wrestling with that. Yeah, I liked boys, but I didn't feel response back or I just also hated them yeah. at the same time right yeah. I had like I totally had this ninth grade punk song that yeah. was like really bad and it was like yeah. why are boys around why are they alive <laughs> like, screaming and stuff That's it was awesome. and part, I think about that and I think about how I was just wrestling with like yeah, who I was it out. what I wanted yeah, and absolutely. where I felt comfortable That's really interesting I've always like felt like I had um like my attraction to people was really 
it was not that it never felt like that's really important part of who I was. Like I just never really gave it much thought until I got a little bit older and I realized, oh, people don't like both boys and girls. That is that is not something that they do. They oh, usually like just one. And mm-hmm. so I and I dated I've dated men and then a, like um, actually this is kind of a redaction from the last episode because Bernadette said something about how people wouldn't look at her yeah. because she felt like invisible. And yeah. I had said something like, oh, yeah, when I was like 30 pounds heavier, you know, even now sometimes I like I feel like I'm invisible. But I was thinking like, oh, no, my wife, my wife saw me when I was 30 pounds heavier. Yeah. and She was like, what a babe. And so now I'm yeah. like, I felt really bad after that episode. Like, oh, I should say something about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm married to my to a woman. She's yeah. my she's my spouse. And yeah. so um, and she loves yeah. you regardless. Yeah. She like yeah. met me when I was like. As funny as I am now, but, like, quite hefty. And she was like, wow, you're cute. So, I don't know. It was like, wow, cool. But anyway, so that's kind of yeah. like, I, I don't know. I, I think about, um, you know, when I when I met her and, like, thinking she has the greatest personality. She's mm-hmm. so funny. She's so sweet. She's so generous. She's, like, so smart. And just thinking, like, yeah, I can get, I can get behind that. She's, like, she's cool, you know? Um, so that experience was weird for me. I remember having those boy crushes and just being like, God, boys are stupid. <laughs> yes, they are. I mean, I married a yeah. man, but yeah, I mean, he'll say it too. He's like, boys are dumb. They're stupid. <laughs> They're a waste. I remember in college, our resident life director, uh, she was like, you need to wait till there's a certain maturity level that happens. And she pointed out 25 is like a magical number. Mm. And so it's interesting to think about how we develop in our systems and society around us and what pushes us to be more mature versus yeah. like immature and right. how all those things are wrapped into who we are and the choices that we're making. Yeah. It's really hard to kind of get my head around sometimes. Yeah. Like when I was 25, I was such a dumbass. Like why? <laughs> like I wouldn't have trusted 25 year old me with literally anything. Yeah. I was a moron. But you were better than 21-year-old you. I'm much better. Yeah. Because 21-year-old yeah. me was extra dumb. <laughs> and then now, wait, how old are you? 30. 30. 30. And yeah. so do you feel like 30-year-old Andy is more responsible, respectable? I mean. Less hopeful? What do you, what do you think? I'm actually, I, I just feel like more like emotionally stable. Like, I think that I haven't lost any of, like, my intense anxiety about, like, uh, apocalyptic feelings about, like, how the world's coming to an end at all times. But, yeah, I mean, especially when we yeah. have, like, weather storms and What is that? What is happening in this on this earth? Us. Yeah. Um, but well, no, it 20, depends on what you believe, yeah. right? You know, God's wrath upon us well, I mean, or, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> any of those. Items. But on St. Bart's, that place is beautiful. <laughs> why would you, why would God do that? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's not the God I believe in. Yeah. Um, so thinking about, I guess, gender stereotypes, where do you feel like, how has that changed in your own life? Or how do you think mm. you fit those or don't fit those with our society? Well, you know, it's really interesting because, like, being married to a woman, that that the thing that I always, this is so, like, I think about privilege, right, mm-hmm. a lot. Like, I think about it all the time. And I think about privilege in ways that, that um, I they kind of, like, hit me in, like, unexpectedly, like, I'm married to a woman. Our domestic workload balance, like, is much, I feel, more equitable. My wife still, she's going to love to hear this. <laughs> she does way more than I do, even oh, still. Like, out. she's still, she is, like, such a, like, if there's any laundry in the basket, she's, like, on it. Wow. I'm, like, and I'm not on it. We have a rule that's, like, if there's laundry in the basket, you do your own laundry yeah. in the basket. Like, you just leave it. Like, yeah. I like that. I feel like that's very egalitarian, right? Yeah. yeah. So, like, Absolutely. he folds his own clothes. I fold my own clothes. You know what you need? You need one of those. Um, hampers. It's like got a two-sided hamper, <laughs> and one you should get a monogram like from like Lands End. Like <laughs> it's just so such gross. a like bougie white person thing. To like, here, let me get my monogrammed hamper. Yeah, just put this here. You yeah, have Nate on one side, hope on the other side. Yeah, it's true. You could just yeah. 
little thing. That's adorable. No. Yeah, so household chores, I, I, we try to divide it up. And my sister actually lives with us uh, a lot of the time, so that's yeah. the best, right? Because you can divide it in three. Nice. Oh. That is awesome. And then we trade off chores, so like, yeah. I desperately hate cleaning the toilet. Right. And Nate doesn't mind that as much. Thank you, mm. dear. Um, and so like we trade that off, right? That's awesome. And then for, yeah. I forget the other things I took on for that. Yeah. I think cleaning the kitchen is like... My fill in the yeah. gap. When I when I set my mind to something, I can I can go hard at it for a long time. Like this morning, we cleaned off the dining room table, which is like okay, flat surface. How much shit can you collect on any flat surface in your home? <laughs> a so lot. like so like we sat down with it and like got it like busted it out. And I feel like once I stick my mind to it, it's just like like my wife just like follows through with everything all, all the time. So with the two of you, did you negotiate that stuff? Is it just kind of naturally happened? Do you kinda, feel like any of that was learned? I feel behaviors? like it just kind of naturally happened. Some of it was like we talked about it explicitly because she was like, you're a slob and you need to like <laughs> get your life together. And so yeah. I, I became, I, I would say after 25, I became much more of an adult yeah. because she was like, you just like figure it out. You know, you need to clean up after yourself. And um, I credit her with that. Um, yeah. That's the thing, though, about, like, I was thinking, there was this article I read, very hard-hitting journalism in the Huffington Post, right? Oh, yes. About That's really About intense. the, like, gender um, imbalance in, like, emotional labor. Yeah. And so I, I was thinking about how, like, the emotional labor we both put into our relationship is pr- very equitable. Like, we listen to each other really well. Um, we communicate really well. And so if there's ever an issue, we don't let it we don't let it like fester. Like she will just say like, this is a thing. We need yeah. to talk about it. Let's I take appreciate care of that. it. Yeah. Do you think that's because you're both women or identify as women? I, I, or is I think that that's something part of it. I think that that's ha- has to be part of it Yeah. because we're socialized to be like, Hey, let's talk about our feelings. Yeah. Um, but most of the people that I know that are in same partnerships with women, I feel like that's yeah. a common characteristic that they talk about. Yeah. They, cause I mean, I th- women were conditioned yeah. to talk a lot, right. <laughs> we're talk, you know, to, to get into the emotional. We're like less afraid of it in many ways. Yeah. Um, um, and not going to lie, I've been envious of that at various points. Yeah. Well, and then like the social, const- like we talk about social construction and there are so many things that are socially constructed. Like we build them as yeah. like in our society, right? They're not innate. They don't just like come with you. And What are you we- thinking of? Well, just like if we are socially conditioned as women to have, uh, you know, c- cisgender women, like to have this kind of, and we accept it, that mm-hmm. we're conditioned to have these certain of skills, I guess, at emo- like in navigating like sticky emotional situations, like we're taught to do that. Yeah. If you put two women together, it, c- it can be very volatile. Like I've known some yeah. like women who are in relationships that are like it does not work because yeah. whatever they're both Capricorns or something. But <laughs> like if you really make it, if you really t- try, I don't know, and you you put the effort in, it's like I feel like it's easier. Whereas sometimes in heterosexual relationships, like you put the effort in and it's not easier. Mm. It's hard. It just isn't like it's hard. It's harder. I feel like I got really really hard. I know it, but I feel like I got really, I don't know, I got extra lucky somehow. I don't know. I also think about that in the workplace, right? So if you think about teens, we joke about like our work wives, our work husbands, our work partners, right? Which is hilarious because I feel like you're my work spouse, but then also your husband's my work spouse. Yeah, that's super weird. So we have a weird weird. work threesome. It's true. And there's other people I would say that uh, I co- I'm co-chair of a department with mm-hmm. uh, a man. and You're in a so, polyamorous work relationship. Yeah, right? I mean, there's yeah. all those levels. But then <laughs> I'm in an English department, which the English department is full of, like, this is very stereotypical English yeah. departments, heavy women-oriented, yeah. right? And even um, not, we just are all talkers, right? So if you get yeah. a degree in or certified in language <laughs> arts, it's a given that you, like, are going to yeah. fight about the dictionary definitions of things. Yeah. And I don't know if you know <laughs> like, I also was an English, I was an English major, and I have a certain... 
I have a endorsement in English also. So that's why I'm it cracks on, me up. Some of us I'm who like don't fit member. that were like, yeah, let's go product, let's go, let's do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're tired of talking about it, or we yeah, talked about it for do twenty something. minutes. Let's do yeah. something. Yeah. So you actually you asked earlier about like how um, our like feelings about gender change over time, and I I, t- I when you asked that I was like over time in my own life because mm-hmm. I'm super like self involved and like wanted to talk about myself, but I also <laughs> like I'm interested in how that changes over like over like generations. So like you what I mean. I don't know. Like in over the last several generations, like how do you think the like role of women in society has changed? Well, I mean, I, I constantly think women in the workplace, like that notion has changed. Yeah. Um, we're embracing that more, although we're wrestling with it in other ways, I guess. Um, I think what's kind of interesting is parenting and the yeah. role of those divides in parenting. Yeah. So I feel like we're on this push uh, okay. where— Okay, uh, we should say before—because you know ahead. how people get defensive when they—like—and rightfully so, when like yeah, people who disclaimer. don't have kids are like, yep. let me tell you about how to parent. Because <laughs> um, I parented a dog, and I know exactly what having children is like. I parented so a fish one So the caveat time. is that uh, hope, neither Hope nor I have yes. any no children. children. Yeah. Do you have any pets? No, I don't like animals. <laughs> oh, no. I have a lot of allergies. We are definitely so experts why. then. So we yeah, should, we're super yeah. experts. Well, I'm going to come from the place of like observation. I have like seven nieces and nephews. Yeah. I've grown up around kids and a lot mm-hmm. of like Sunday school children's yeah. things. Um, and as a teacher, now I've lost track. But I was, <laughs> I was just kind <laughs> of thinking about uh, how we treat parents, right? And that yeah. the gender norming that comes with that. So like... How dads, I often hear people congratulate dads for doing things that are like, that's what a parent's supposed to do. <laughs> like, uh, you know, dad's at home babysitting or like, look at this dad. He's so cute, you know, pushing the stroller. Yeah. And I think because, I don't know, I think it has something to do with the way that we deal with uh, the construction of a family in our society yeah. and like some of the struggle that's happened yeah. around that. Well, um, I think about like how like individuals become more enlightened over time. I had an English teacher in high school who his wife had babies and he took paternity leave and then he took several years off so that he could yeah, be awesome. a stay-at-home dad. And at the time when I was like 19, I was like, that's kind of weird. Why would he do that? <laughs> I just don't understand. that. That's not what dads do. That's weird because yeah. my dad didn't do that. And yeah. I had never seen an example of someone doing yeah. that. And, you know, you get you get you get enlightened over time and then kind of think about, oh, that's actually really rad and yeah. totally like a valid option for families, mm-hmm. especially if the. Other spouse has a job that pays more money. <laughs> yes. And I would love to see that more normalized, I guess, right? Like that would be the standard that I would love to have. I'd also like the standard to be that we talk, if we're going to talk about dads doing a great job taking care of their kids, because that's great. We, they should yeah. get some shout outs. We also should be recognizing that stuff for moms. Yeah. And we've talked on the show before about just the idea of like, if we don't have to talk about it, it's invisible or unseen. Like yeah. how many times we thank moms for doing mom stuff that they're yeah. quote unquote supposed to do. Who cares if they're supposed to do it? Like, yeah. just thank you. Everybody you know, and appreciate we just talked about this in my um, government class um, because my I had a there was a quote we had uh, during like our discussion in AP government with my seniors who are wonderful by the way um, the the quote was, was Thomas Paine talking about if you if you accept something as as um, something wrong for a long time if you accept it it eventually looks superficially looks right oh yeah you know what I mean yeah. so like. Um, for the longest time, if we accept that women are our primary caregivers mm-hmm. to children, mm-hmm. um, over time, like that imbalance seems correct, even yeah. if it's not. Yep. Like even if like, so that's why it's so shocking or exciting when dads are like stepping up. Yeah. But it's like, 
there are dads stepping up all the time all over the place. Look at like, yeah. you know, being awesome. Yeah, being awesome. Yeah. So good it, job, dads. It kind of reminds me of like, I think last time we talked about um, or a couple episodes ago, we talked about statues. Right. And just yeah. that normalization of statues in society yeah. and how we wrestle with, yeah. you know, what they represent. Well, oh, that's always how it's been. Well, just because that's always how it's been doesn't mean that that's the right way. Yeah. And that if it's you, supposed to be that yeah, way. Yeah. And if you accept it as correct when there are these other ways of doing things that are totally valid and worthy and should occur, then, yeah, you're kind of ignoring um, those contributions that are really valuable. I feel like that's one of the the simple things that we can do to be better or less basic. Yes. It's just is questioning the things that we've done. Not because I, I wanna, you know, change it all of a sudden or find some yeah. revolutionary, but I just wanna be thoughtful about what oh, I'm doing. I would like thinking it to be revolutionary. Rev- I'd like to be revolutionary. <laughs> I'd like to that would work too. burn everything down. So. <laughs> Have you ever read um, Judy Brady's Why I Want a Wife? No. It is so good. Although that so, sounds like something that I, I can relate to. <laughs> it's fantastic. And it's a satirical piece. I'll link to it in the show notes. But uh, it, it just goes through about how um, she she starts to realize, like, oh, I want a wife, too. And it, it plays with that notion of what's a stereotypical yeah. wife. So there's parts of it where that are like, um, I want someone who's going to leave me alone, not force me to talk about things. I want someone yeah. who's going to meet my physical needs, cook whatever I want, whatever I want, refill my, my wine glass, clean yeah. my house, do my laundry. <laughs> there's a whole paragraph on, like, sexual things, too, yeah. right? Like, I want my wife to do all this stuff for me. Um, and it just goes through, and it's hilarious. And yeah. then at the end, it's like, yeah, heck, yeah, I want a wife. Like, if, if, if our stereotypes about wives are these things, yeah. then everybody. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Let's all find great. somebody who's going to do all this work for us <laughs> right. and call it good. Yeah. Um, it's a really great piece. That sounds really that. funny. It sounds super funny. Okay. Well, yeah. um, I've been thinking also um, just about uh, this is based on some experiences I've had recently that um, for reasons I won't like give really specific examples, but because um, it has to do with kiddos, right, uh, at school. But I wonder about what happens when people deviate from gender norms because we talked like we're going to talk a little more about deviance today because that came up in the last episode. I think it's important to hit it again. But like, yeah, just bring that back up again. What's this like? Should it, perhaps right now? Yeah, do it. This segment is called Pop Critical Theory. Today's pop critical theory is deviance. Deviance. Yes. Yes. Deviance is behavior that violates social norms. Um, So deviance as a concept is more theory than it is critical. Okay. But it's worth including in our vocabulary list. So um, in our last episode, Sonia rightly pointed out that deviance often looks like criminal or creepy behavior, right? Mm -hmm. She used the example of a peeping Tom, right? And that's what we think of when we think of deviance. But sociologists who study deviant behavior also include any action that goes against commonly accepted practices or behaviors, which is what we're talking about today. It's kind of like a broader definition. Um, So deviance actually serves a really important purpose. Like if you deviate from the norm, it's often because you're figuring out your identity and finding like a subgroup to belong to, which can be super empowering, right? That can be good. So if I shave my head and no one else around Mm -hmm. me has shaved my head, I'm like engaging in deviant behavior. Yeah, but then if you find other people who shaved their heads and you're like a head-shaved crew, then you're like... I don't know. People think you're white supremacists. Yeah, potentially. Or they're like, whoa, you're brave. Or they're like, oh, you're sick. Or like, then, then, but you fit into a subgroup. Okay. Right. Um, It also can also be super alienating, though, since you're separated from the group that sets up the norms. Like, if you're deviant, then you're outside the norm. Right. Yeah. So, like, criminality is also deviant. So, like, extreme criminal deviants can put you in subgroups that are outside of society, like in the prison system. Okay. So that's like extreme uh, examples. Like, but in a weird way, deviant behavior also provides social unity for different groups and subgroups because it creates an like insider outsider mentality. Or yeah, like so us give me them an example of mentality. What would that be? 
So, um, like, if someone is rejected for being for like deviants, um, if somebody is say like you were saying like shaves their head um, and gets like tattoos on their face, mm-hmm. then they are outside the norm. So they are like maybe shunned by the mm-hmm. group that sets the norms. But they find a group of f- folks who also tattooed their face yeah. and have shaved their heads. Then yeah. that would be they would form a subgroup. Um, and if their behavior continues to be deviant, kind of outside the norm, uh, that subgroup ha- forms like a group identity. The normative yeah. group has a group identity, and it creates these like social boundaries that people um, kind of. And I don't know if this would be like something that's innate in human beings, but having an us/them kind of mentality yeah. is like naturally built into like this is a group I belong to. That's the group you belong to. That humans are super comfortable fitting into that kind yeah. of uh, dichotomy of like us. Well, because we like classification, right? Yes. So classification yeah. helps us make sense of the world right. in really great ways, but also can lead like if we're not thinking about how we're classifying yeah. or why we classified. Right. So I was thinking about like deviance in schools and yeah. how. You have a kid who has like non-normative like gender presentation Mm -hmm. or like a non-normative gender expression or is like queer or um, just like looks different than other kids. Like how does that how does that affect them? Like what happens to them if they deviate from the norm? And it's especially stark with kids. I feel like teenagers because they like they're experimenting with who they want to be. They're Mm -hmm. trying stuff out. And the social consequences can be really steep. Yeah. Right. If it's not like. I don't know if they don't fit into the norm. I feel like it also depends on the the conditions in that space that have happened. Oh, so definitely. one of the things I was thinking about at the start of the school uh, year, I always do like an activity where kids introduce their names and right. you know these little corny things about themselves to help <laughs> us all build community. Yeah. And so we can connect with each other, how yeah. we're different or how we're similar. And uh, this year I have a student teacher. And one of the things that she challenged me on was to just put um, preferred pronoun. And it's one of those things that I often, you know, engage in groups and use preferred yeah. pronoun. But I hadn't put it on my slide with kids before. Yeah. And I have so a great thought, story about this when you're okay. done with your story. I thought, hey, let's, yeah, why not? Let's do it. It's no big deal, right? Yeah. And so um, we did that. And it was interesting because every class period I had a student mm-hmm. that wrote down they, them. And each one of those kids that wrote that down kind of had, like, this look in their eye. And a couple mm-hmm. kids said, hey, thanks. Right. Yeah. Or something to that effect. And I thought that was really interesting because that was a signal for them at the mm-hmm. beginning that this is a safe space for you. Yeah. Or we want to at least acknowledge that this is what's this is where you're at yeah. and how you identify. And then it, but it was interesting, though, because a couple classes, there were other like thinking about other students and the mm-hmm. risks for that security. There were a couple classes where kids were like, wait, what? Yeah. Wh- what? And uh, one student who. Uh, presents or looks more female. Yeah. Um, identified as a he, and other kids were like, "Wait, did he say he? Uh, did she say he?" And then that was like a little bit confusing for them. Yeah. And that the student was just like, "Boom!" Like, like this not is... not ruffled. And I was just like, "Yes, I wanted to, you know, give a little shout out, you know." But then I just am like, "Yes, yes, he did." And then you know, just moving forward because yeah. I want this to be. Well, fine, and I right? asked a stu- like I had a student tell me their preferred pronouns, but not. But And I asked them, do you want me to share that with a group? Because they told me, like, kind of on the side, like, yeah. hey, can you tell them my pref- – like, I'd like to tell you my preferred pronoun so that you call me what I want to be called. And yep. I was like, that, you're being a great self-advocate. That's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of you. And um, I had heard someone use the pronoun – the non-preferred pronoun when they were addressing this student. And I – so I asked them. I said, do you want me to tell – 
do you want me to correct people or do you, would you like to do it yourself? Because that's a big thing too is like, yeah. do you want someone to correct for you? And they said, no, I want to do it myself. Right. So I'm like, rad. That's yeah. awesome. Good for you. I think that's the cool thing about uh, figuring out your space as an ally, right? Yeah. And, and even just asking like, what do you yeah. want my role to be and how can I support you in this um, and sometimes you're the one speaking up for somebody else and sometimes it's them and yeah. sometimes you're just like, yep. Sometimes you just, yeah, just have to like support them while they like hold space for them while they do it themselves and yeah. like, you know, give them a, give them some support. So we've both worked in a variety of schools and yeah. so kind of thinking about our trajectory as a whole. Do you feel, uh, what are some other examples, I guess, we're thinking about these gender norms or the way that we've accepted the deviations? Yeah. have are there any other examples that come up in education for you? I know we've attended a, a jillion different conferences. And That's true. Like spaces, like social norms in general, or specifically about gender. Uh, I will think since we're talking about gender, I'm thinking more about gender norms. Okay. Well, I wonder, like, um, uh, I think it, like if you're talking about students and staff, it's like a different story, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, because I feel like among students that like, okay, kids respond to your perceived like how they perceive your power as a male or female yes, teacher right. differently yeah. right like that varies based on who the teacher is um so i was thinking a yeah. little bit about that because um i mean as a short white female <laughs> yeah uh there's a lot of elements i f i feel like or i find not just feeling all the time i uh i find that students respond a particular kind of way because they're bringing in that baggage right? i mean that's part of our interchangeable white lady conversation yeah absolutely um but they're responding in a way because of their experience with their mom their aunt yeah. Uh, their cousin, their sisters, right. their lack thereof. And some of the things that I've shifted in terms of norms, I've found that a lot of my um, colleagues identify as male or present as male. The, you know, the lower tone voice, there's like a certain kind of confidence when they give a direction, right? Yeah. Kids don't challenge those directions. Like we right. like jump off this cliff. Yeah. And all the kids are like, okay. Yeah. Right. And then I, and I found that if I'm saying something like that, um, just because of the natural the things that I've been conditioned my Could own Could you please way. just yeah. jump off this cliff, please? No, nobody's going to do it. Can you do that? Nope. Sorry I asked. Can, yeah. can you do yes. it? And yeah. we're always apologizing, right? Yeah. And so even, even those little things I find, I'm trying to get better at not doing that and then yeah. teaching my students that they don't have to stop. All my girls are over-apologize. I'm like, stop yeah. apologizing. He apologize. didn't. She didn't. You yeah. know, like, you it's okay. You don't apologize for existing. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to apologize for those things. I was just thinking about some of those kind yeah. of things. I found out starting the school year that I, I was more authoritative in how I gave directions in terms of like classroom procedures is that this year as you're how many years in or you think this, that's the, happened every year no this new this year okay. i tried really hard to be really clear about these are my classroom expectations if you violate them there are mm -hmm. consequences yeah in the past i haven't been that strong about it and i did it this year and students are like whoa she means it yeah now like you just gotta follow me. through yeah <laughs> but I, I and i do that uh it's like parenting I, yeah right i feel like the power stance um, there was that thing a, a few years ago about if you do this power stance before a job interview, <laughs> yeah. you will succeed. I don't um, know who did that study, but it was like there's a te whole TED talk about it and everything. <laughs> but I feel like my it's not even a physical power stance. It's like a mental power stance. Like mm -hmm. I am in that headspace where I'm like, yep. no, I'm an adult. Yes. I'm an adult in this space. <laughs> I respect you, yeah, teenagers, course. teenage humans, but I am an adult and I yeah. made some rules and these are the rules we will follow. They're not optional. Yeah. You don't get to say things that are homophobic, transphobic, like body yep. shaming, like yep. garbage language. You don't get to say those things yep. in my classroom. And it's not, if you do, there are consequences. Yeah. Like, so I don't know. It was just felt really good to be to be 
authoritative. And I think that that is sometimes associated with maleness. Yeah. Especially in the classroom. Yeah. Masculinity. Yeah. It's so interesting. Uh, and then the judgment that comes from that, right? right? So knowing that there's a whole array of terms, right, that I can be, that can be used against me now when I display those mm-hmm. kind of behaviors. Yeah. I won't say them on the podcast, but yeah. <laughs> we can all think of them. Yeah. You can um, make a mental list. Yeah. And I can be Easily. fine. I, I've, I think over the years I've I'm getting more fine. I, yeah. I'm not going to say that I'm fine with it all the time, but becoming yeah. more fine with that. That's I understand that this is a system that's in place and then also understanding yeah. um, that there's certain risks. Like you said, just yeah. being straightforward about it because it matters. So yeah. it matters that it's a safe space for kids. It matters that um, we don't allow this kind of language yeah. or bullying. Behavior. Oh, you know what I realized? What? I told you I was going to tell you a story when yes. you were talking about pronouns about and then I totally didn't. So the story I was going to tell you, I went to a training when I was in college, like college and student government, mm-hmm. and we went to a training with um, a bunch of other leaders at colleges in Washington, and I will not name the college that this person came to came from, okay. but the facilitator had us go around and like say our preferred pronouns, and this okay. wasn't this was in like two thousand seven, oh. so this was like cutting edge, very cutting <laughs> edge, ten years ago, a decade ago, right? But um, I we went around and said our preferred pronouns, and this student, male male identified. Cishet student said, college student said, why do we have to say our pronouns? Isn't it really <laughs> obvious that we're all what we are? And I think that's like kind of the root of the, that's still an issue sometimes for yeah. teenagers is yeah. that they're like, it's not always obvious what you are. And I'm doing air quotes are, you yeah. know, and also because gender is not innate. It's like constructed. So anyway, I was thinking that was a, I was thinking about that guy. I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> You know, maybe he learned something over the years or. Yeah, I don't really remember the facilitator correcting him very strongly, but I I hope that I hope that that I hope you learned something from that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to go back to what you were saying about um, emotional. What what was the term you used? Emotional labor. Emotional labor. And so what about in education? Because we talk about a field being dominated by women. Right. And we haven't explored a ton on the show, but there uh, we both have done some writing uh, and speaking a little bit about the norms in terms of like white lady cultural norms that happen in school. DTM. Doing the most. The passive aggressive like emailing. The like Oh, mm, oh, the, don't so do that. The, mm, you know, that crazy. kind of like yeah, sound I was, effects. <laughs> so funny. I was visiting my brother. He was in the hospital e- over like yesterday and he's fine. He's going to be OK. But he had to go to the ER because he had like some pains and weird pains. And then I found out he was really anemic. And so he got like a blood transfusion and it, we got to make a lot of jokes about being him being a vampire. But oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, it was great. Um, Lighten the mood. Yeah. But when I was there, I realized something really important. The nurses had this weird drama. And it was like female nurses and male nurses. um, And you sensed it. I sensed it. And my spidey senses were tingling. (laughs) And there were there was one gay nurse, male nurse, and there was a queer female nurse. And they my brother was really pleased about that because he was just like he's like these everybody here is really nice. But he was like really excited about having LGBT nursing staff at Tacoma General, like (laughs) shout out Tacoma General. But they were super wonderful and kind. But um, I was thinking about how that drama in the workplace, I feel like it might be um, especially in workplaces that where you deal with the public. Yeah. Um, that there's this kind of code among staff like that and female staff I saw it was very pronounced of like of like um, that passive aggressive dramatic mm-hmm. stuff and we have that too it's like people people yeah. working with people yeah and having this sort and I don't know if it's just because it's like a human services type situation or if it's because it's just you get women in the same workspace and then we just kind of stab each other in the back or or what it is. I feel like I have cooperative relationships that are really positive yeah. with other women at work. Like I can think of 
like I can easily probably name 10 women at work who I'm like, yeah, they're awesome. And I don't have weird passive aggressive communication with them, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. It happens a lot. Well, and I, I wonder, like, how, mu- how much of that was cultivated, you know, in the way that we were brought up, and then now there's just a manifestation of it, and how many of us pay attention to it, and how many of us don't. Yeah. I think about that as well, because I definitely engage in some of that behavior. I'm not going to pretend that I don't. Yeah. Um, at the same time, right, I want to challenge those kinds of behaviors. Yeah. And, and also, like, the norms of that. So I think about, like, sometimes, you know, in a work group, uh, just thinking overall in education, I've been on a bunch of different work groups, and it seems like uh, more often than not, the women that are in those group end up taking a lot more jobs and doing yeah. a lot more stuff than some yeah. of the – like, I find sometimes that the men will just sit there like, there's already a bunch of amazing women. A lot of times, you know, it's like beneficial, right? They'll be like, oh, it's a lot of amazing women here. You're all very talented anyway. I'll just fill in the gaps. Yeah. But I think that just perpetuates, like, these uh, – unequal workloads for folks, right? Rather than like, how about we all take on responsibility and how about we compensate? And then I know for, you know, a particular white man, it's it's a different struggle too because they are used to being, you know, the top and then yeah. like maybe they don't want to to um, they're trying to combat them themselves yeah. right like well, they're that's not also kind of a catch 22 because like you promote women to be leaders like in the workplace or anywhere like in society and then but you don't want too much of a like you don't want women to take on too much because then that a burden of that emotional labor is so intense that it's like they get burnt out. Yeah. And then I think some people are really reluctant to this because they feel like there's no right answer. Right. right. I mean, I've been in that stage where I'm like, there's a, I can't do anything right here. Yeah. Screw it all. You know, yeah. like, forget it. I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. And that's not a solution either. But I, I often think about that in education. Like, how can we change those things? How can we share that responsibility more? How do we share workload? How do we, right. And also, like, people have different skill sets. And yeah. so taking that into account. Right. Right? And also, um, gender is not binary. So right talking about like that's the other thing that I get so hung up on sometimes is like talk about like like what men do and what women do but like there are so many people even like like in a highly visible like field like education who are genderqueer or who are Mm -hmm. like transgender or who are not fitting into that mold and so like what's the experience of people who are Mm non-binary because it's a spectrum not uh check here or check here like two option gender situation yeah yeah. So anyway, that's a whole other. That's this is a this is a, a big onion <laughs> that we're slowly peeling. Yeah. Um, do yes. You, can you think of anything else about deviance that we should mention no. or just add to this well, conversation? Well, ooh, yeah. Because I was thinking about dress codes. Okay. Um, for students, because we were talking about just like staff, but like students, especially female students, there's a huge burden on female students with dress codes. Yep. A lot more so than there is for male students. It's been in the news a lot lately. There was a set school in Illinois that did the body positive dress code. Did you hear about that? I don't know if I did. Just remind us. It was basically like um, one of their, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but one of the rules in their dress code was uh, female students will not be made to feel ashamed of their bodies for what they wear. And that's part of their dress code. I was like, yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So I don't know. I just been thinking about that a lot for students and how there are double standards for students in terms of uh, discipline and punishment and mm-hmm. in terms of what they wear, in terms of what they look like, in terms of how they navigate the school system. Like it, there are double standards there. So yeah. I have a I hard know. time as like I'm enforcing those rules as a teacher. Right. right. And that's my job. I did sign on to that. Yeah. At the same time, personally, I don't. I don't believe in a lot of those things. Like, is yeah. that crop top really a problem? Yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. Like, and 
does that really matter in the big case? But then I also, you know, I'm trying to enforce these yeah, rules. Right. And but then, then like, if there's not the same number of rules for boys, like, yeah, okay, and, fine, you're sagging your pants, but right. like we don't give a hard time when they're walking around without shirts or they have, yeah. you know, their own tank top that <laughs> male identified students are walking around with a tank top. No one says anything about that. Yeah, but a girl wears a tank top and it's like the apocalypse, you know? <laughs> it's like, what the heck? Yeah. So, yeah, I had to think about that and how like that deviant deviant behavior which is so much like that's in terms of deviant behavior that's so like so small right mm-hmm. like to wear a you know spaghetti straps but like that for students that deviation from the norm which is the dress code right um they may it may be normative behavior among their peers but it's not normative in the school setting right right um that that experience can be really alienating so how do you think we as educators can um not support the deviant behavior. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Yeah. But just kind of encourage this idea of exploring. And even, I mean, it extrapolates out past just education, like in the workplace. What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, I think about how just like being more accepting and tolerant, like as educators and then encouraging students to do the same. Like, oh, that person looks different than you. That's fine. Don't. (laughs) Don't be weird about it. Yeah. Like, don't make it weird because yeah. it's fine. Like, they can don't be they can be different than you, and that's yeah. cool. Um, or the one I always love is if somebody says something like they're grossed out. I've definitely heard students say like, "Oh, they're gay. That's really gross." And yeah. like having to respond and say like, "Just because someone has a different experience than you doesn't mean it's gross. It means you don't that, use that word. Yeah. you it means that it's a different experience than you've had. And if you don't want someone judging you for the choices you make or the things that you do, mm-hmm. don't judge other people mm-hmm. for the choices they make or the things that they." do yeah it's not it's not hurting you is it no okay right. <laughs> stop stop judging them because it's yeah. it won't affect you in any material way yeah gross is one of those words i find myself tripping up and saying weird all the time yeah and i say weird a lot so then i'm so then i'm trying to challenge myself to not use that word right then i'm like well what's a weird a replacement for weird and it's right. weird okay to actually say am i if i say weird about everything then maybe i've like yeah blanket statement it. and yep. it's not just like some things yeah um different it's very very yeah. different that's different sociologically fascinating yeah sociologically fascinating okay so we've had an opportunity to talk a little bit about deviance and about experience in schools and uh, hopefully put a little bow on that i don't know how tight the bow is we might have to revisit <laughs> this one because it's a it's a like i said a it's giant ongoing. a giant onion but we should have a message from our sponsor i agree with that okay so i'll start channel 253 and the interchangeable white ladies podcast is brought to you by alaska airlines Hey, Annie, do you know what's great about Alaska Airlines? What? They know that their customers are people and not just interchangeable commodities. Oh, I see what you did there. But you were right. I get on an Alaska flight, and I know I'm going to be taken care of the whole way. They have great service, exactly what you would expect from our hometown airline. True. Uh, Okay, Annie, give me your best iFlyAlaska hashtag. I can do that. Hashtag iFlyAlaska for the Prosecco. Hashtag bubbly. Hashtag vacation starts now. Your turn. Ooh, hashtag I fly Alaska for the picnic packs, hashtag fruit and cheese plate, hashtag brie, hashtag mmm cheese. I'm Annie. I'm Hope. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. To book your next flight, visit alaskaair.com. All right, so let's shift into a uh, next segment. And this segment is a made up segment. Um, it is a shout out to a Can previous. Can we say this is a socially constructed segment? It is very it's socially constructive. <laughs> constructed. And in this segment, we're kind of giving a, a shout out to previous uh, themes, ideas, and other not real sponsors, um, such as the pumpkin spice 
latte. You remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Do you remember what you said about pumpkin spice flavored things or pumpkin spice lattes? Did do you did, like them? Remind us. I don't remember if I said that I like I feel like I did I feel like I do like the flavor <laughs> you feel like you do you, yeah. Annie you either okay. do or you don't so, like no spice. I think it's kind of a uh, I think it's like a okay <laughs> I love pumpkin spice flavored things but I think that when they come out in early September that it's too soon yeah or mid August yeah right and then I also don't eat dairy products, mm. which we're going to revisit in our food episode. Uh, we're going to have a food episode, by the way. Eventually, yeah. And so many many uh, pumpkin spice things contain milk, and I can't— my feel left out? Digestion you're... can't handle it, and I do feel left out. But you're a little bit deviant in that sense. Oh, did I use it right? You did. Yeah, yes. good job. But now you have your own subgroup of vegans right. and vegan delicious And vegans making spice. things that are pumpkin spice. Things. Okay. Are, yeah. So today on the air, we're really excited because uh, we found a variety of pumpkin spice items that I think we shouldn't just throw out with the bathwater, as they say. Um, but we're going to try them on the air, and we're going to decide, are they nasty or are they delicious? Which is kind of we'll like uh, timeless or terrible, but it is way more fun. We have decided, I think, with our psychic um, communication here <laughs> in the studio that this is actually uh, this will take the place of timeless or terrible yes. today. That yep. that's the plan. Okay, so because I think part of this is like, is this pumpkin spice yogurt timeless, timeless or, or terrible? Interchangeable. So we got to find out. Yes, and actually, we have a special guest for this segment. He won't be able to speak because he is uh, behind some thick glass. No, I'm on the mic here. Oh, I'm yeah, okay. There oh, you can, go. can we? Yep. Awesome. Doug's here with Doug, the producer, is oh, here yeah. with us, and he is going to taste test some <laughs> items as well. Very exciting. So he okay. can give his input, right. which is really valuable to us. <laughs> Annie, what are we starting with? Um, how about pumpkin spice life cereal? Okay. I'm going to try mine with cashew milk. I hope trying hers dry. I got a text from a friend right after the first podcast came out, and uh, she sent me a picture of the cereal. And then, like an hour later, you sent me a picture of the cereal, too. I did, yeah, because I found it at where? Target. Target. Okay, here we go. Okay, I'm having one with milk. I'm just going to go into and chew the mic. You know, you know how wine connoisseurs like, these are like, right? But I'm going to do oh that with Oh my God, this is really weird. Mm. It tastes like, you know what? It tastes like cinnamon life, but they just added nutmeg. Yeah, it's actually not bad. It's actually mm. pretty good. But here's the thing. I'm going to step it up a notch. And oh, my God, it's so gross. Pumpkin spice coffee mate creamer into Why? my cereal here. It's going to be so sweet. You're Because I decided I didn't want to bring cow's milk. And I know you've got your hippie oh, yeah. cashew milk over okay, there. Okay, well, before so you give your review of the com- pumpkin spice creamer, can I say that the cereal's not that bad. <laughs> okay. I think this I'm is fine with that. the cereal. I don't know if it's timeless, but it's pretty tasty. <laughs> Well, this reminds me of the time that I made instant oatmeal with coffee, your face. Okay. Like, I made instant oatmeal with coffee instead of hot water. Here's the thing. I kind of want you to try this, but I think it's not I don't think it's non-dairy. Vegan. Let me see. Is yeah. this lactose-free? Non-dairy, but I think it... See, see this thing? Can I tell you something? Go ahead. This will be helpful when we speak about this in our um, food episode, but this says... Uh, non-dairy, lactose-free, and then in the ingredients it says, contains a milk derivative. Yeah, so you can't. It still has milk in it. It's Don't got say whey. It's, it's got whey or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sodium no. cassinate. Yeah, it's oh. sodium cassinate. So um, I think actually, okay. So Gross. not gonna lie, it's disgusting, and at the same time, I want to go back for another bite, like with this pumpkin spice creamer on top, Doug. Give it to cisgender Mikey. He'll eat anything. <laughs> there you go. There you go. 
yeah, this is definitely if you're hungry, college student, and that's what you got left. Yeah. Doug, let's try these Pop Tarts. Oh, they're going to try the Pop Tarts. Pop -tarts. Oh, I should clarify. They're pumpkin pie oh. Pop Tarts, but uh, same thing. All right, ready? Pumpkin pie has pumpkin spice. Is it spicy? Mm. Mm. Well, again, it's like uh, I think they made cinnamon sugar Pop-Tarts, mm -hmm. so this uh -huh. is adding the nutmeg Oh yeah. to the yeah. cinnamon sugar. Do you, I wonder if pumpkin spice is really just like regular stuff with the actual like the, you know, the pumpkin spice blend for pumpkin yeah. pie, like pumpkin pie spice. They just mm -hmm. take regular Pretty stuff much. and add pumpkin pie spice. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think that's what the root of it is. Uh, I would definitely eat this Pop-Tart, I think, toasted. Mm. What do you think? Uh, yeah, with butter. If I, if I could put butter on it. I'm going to have the butter melt. Well, the on butter the, on the frosted side or on the bready side? Phew, that's a toughie. Probably on the, pr probably on the frosted side. Interesting. Yeah. I can get behind that. Okay. 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 Mm, what's next? What's next, Annie? Well, I feel bad because a lot of this is not vegan, so, so go ahead and yeah, help you know, us out with like, your vegan I'm items. Really, I'm super excited to talk about how being vegan is really bougie uh, at some point, but um, <laughs> I looked at all the pumpkin spice things, and I couldn't find a lot of vegan pumpkin spice things. And so I got, um, I got some... Annie's organic bunny fruit snacks, but they're bunnies and bats. That's strange. Um, I'm assuming they're just like the regular fruit snacks, but I'm gonna put them in my mouth and find out. Um, this <laughs> it's shaped like a bunny. Oh, that's cute. That's adorable. Um, it comes like? in an orange package. Ooh, it does. No. It's in an orange package, and it's trick or treat size. Yeah, they're delicious. Don't okay. Want? No, thank you. Okay. All right. I'll let you have that for yourself. Thank you. So, so I'm going to uh, try this oatmeal. <laughs> Do you uh, need hot water So there's that? No, there's some... Okay, one of the things you need to know about me is <laughs> I try a lot of... I'm willing to try a lot of things. Um, and I'm not that high maintenance most of the time. But so I have in front of me Quaker instant oatmeal. Mm -hmm. No hot water. Mm -hmm. It's pumpkin spice flavored. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to put a few of the oats in my mouth and taste it. <laughs> <laughs> Is all the sugary stuff at the bottom though? Do you have Yeah, to, you know, it doesn't taste like have, anything. You I think to, you're right. Um, I might need to pour this out and pour it out and then, there, yeah. and then finger or but just do your I wet think, finger and put it oh, in the go. bag. Good good no, idea, no. good idea. There you go. Doug, good idea. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Is it grody? Something at the bottom tastes terrible. Nutmeg. It's, like it's a nutmeg. It's like that. Fake nutmeg flavor. <laughs> fake. You know when Gross. banana tastes disgusting? Okay, what's next? Um, well, I kind of want to try a uh, pumpkin spice Oreo. Do it. Okay. I, you... I think we all want to try that, don't we? Yeah, I, I, I just have continued to work on the Pop-Tart. Okay. <laughs> Do you want one? Yeah, here. Okay. Hand one over. Pumpkin spice Oreos, which, by the way, all Oreo varieties are vegan, which kind of freaks me out because the inside looks like <laughs> it should have milk in it, but it doesn't. Yeah, I learned this a long time ago. It was like the mm -hmm. first thing I knew that was vegan. It has material in it. Mm. Because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy, by the way. Mm. I actually really like this cookie. Doug, what do you think? It's very much like a, um, like a, a graham, graham cracker. Yeah, mm -hmm. it tastes like an Oreo, but graham no. cracker. Yeah. And then some kind of weird orange paste on the inside. I was thinking as I was doing some work for this episode <laughs> that... Um, that Oreos obviously are really delicious, but you know what might be good is pumpkin spice flavored marshmallow cream. Whoa, that yeah. sounds really good. Couldn't find it, but I think it they actually might not be that bad. They have pumpkin spice marshmallows at Target. Oh. I mean, the only reason I didn't buy them is because I already had, had like much. so many. I was <laughs> doing the most at Target and bought basically everything else that was pumpkin spice already. I'm going to try next something that I'm really grossed out by, but Doug, you thought it might not be that bad. I'm thinking it might be okay, as long as it's not overwhelming. You it's know. the Chobani Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt. So if you don't like Greek yogurt, you're probably already going to hate this, um, and it's pumpkin spice 
blended. So I really like the way that they describe that. Mm-hmm. And it says limited batch. Nothing oh. says grease like pumpkins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Is it> terrible. <laughs> Your face. Oh, no. The bell. That's a shame bell. That's a oh, shame no. bell. I don't know, dog, if you want to try this, but... Hope uh, your husband did um, tell well. me about how he thinks Greek yogurt is, like, the bougiest white lady thing ever. He thinks it's nasty, but I I got used to Greek yogurt when we were, like, traveling in Greece, so yeah. I didn't even, like, comprehend that it was a different right. thing until later in... Then, which is also bougie say, oh, when I was traveling in Greece. Yeah. You, anyway. Your reaction is no recommendation. No, no. I think I'll just stay in the booth good. if you don't mind. Um, I'm going to... Uh, because I ran... Yeah. I'm running... <laughs> rapidly running out of things to try. I found this... Um, this cozy autumn cuddle candle, heirloom <laughs> pumpkin, caramel, and spice. I'm going to smell it. It's, it's, it's not okay. just regular pumpkins. It's heirloom pumpkins. Yes, no. <laughs> it smells really good, and it has a lead-free wick. Oh. So. Are most wicks have lead in them? I can't um, even. Cheap candle wicks have lead in them, and when you burn them, you breathe it. Barf. Okay. Don't buy your candles at the Dollar Tree, homie. <laughs> uh, so the next thing we're going to try here is um, something I impulse bought on my way out mm. of the store, uh, and that is Thomas's English muffins that are pumpkin spice. What? I know. I was very shocked and delighted and grossed out slightly. I also purchased um, a cream cheese that is pumpkin. So wow. Philadelphia cream cheese, and there's no artificial flavoring in that one. So oh. we're oh. we're layering the pumpkin Wait, here. The English English muffins are pumpkin too. Yep. Doug, what do you think? Uh, oh, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. If if they were mm. toasted, they might stand a chance. Well, toasted as, English as, muffins are the food of the gods. As sort so. of squishy things, I'm not sure that they're yeah. passing muster. Mm-hmm. The te- is it a texture? Kind of weird. Yeah, and again, yeah. aren't English muffins issue. vegan? No, these ones are not. Sadly, um, the Fred Meyer brand are vegan. They say on the back vegan. Actually, it's really funny at Fred Meyer. A lot of things say vegan on the back that are like the Fred Meyer brand, mm-hmm. but on certain things, vegan is spelled V E G E N, which is hilarious. Which means what? Is that just a different language? No, it's just, just not... vegan spelled wrong. Because somebody, <laughs> somebody at Kroger was like, oh, well, yeah, we're making vegan. So they let's put vegan on the back. V-E-G-E-N. So I would go, I, I think the English muffins. One or the other. Yes. Yeah. One or the other. Get the pumpkin muffins and put the regular cream cheese. Or, the, or pumpkin muffin with like with, butter maybe? Maybe. Well, I feel like maybe. pumpkin spice it's, butter would be delicious, but I can't I find that I think the anywhere. two artificial flavorings are, are, are combating with each other. <laughs> yeah, yes. right. Yeah. And it's the I flavoring that was probably made on some, like, on the New Jersey Turnpike in some giant factory. So <laughs> I do I do love, like, a pumpkin cheesecake or, like, yeah. a pumpkin cheesecake bread. Yeah. Like, I've had some. My sister makes a really good one. Or um, heirloom pumpkin cheesecake <laughs> bread. Only if it's heirloom, though. Yeah, my heirloom pumpkin candle. Um, so. so uh, the last thing I'm going to try, or second to last thing I'm going to try here, is this pumpkin spice Toll House oh, I wanna, um, pumpkin flavored morsels. I want to know says, about that. With other natural flavors, and then it says also with cinnamon and spices. But, 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 Nutmeg. But what, 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 what constitutes the, the body of the morsel? <laughs> Nastiness? Ring that bell. Yeah, this is yeah. so gross. I, that was the one I wasn't really eager to try. For shame. And you That's might, terrible. It's so disgusting. Like, I don't... This is the third one I've <laughs> made, like right? Because I feel like, is it really that disgusting? Like pumpkin? They, they won't get better like, as you continue. No, I keep eating these morsels because <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe more of the flavor in my mouth will get a different flavor. Morsel. Yeah. The more you Mm-mm. eat. The, but it's like yeah. super sweet. See if I can articulate it. I'm not as good as like some of those cooking shows where I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, definitely artificial sweet. Gross. It tastes like cinnamon that you maybe left in the cabinet for like seven years and then Ooh. you went back to and you're like, oh, this is not that bad. It but is it, it should be tossed. Yeah. And then like, 
Mm-hmm. And then they're like <laughs> other natural flavors. What are they talking about? Because there's nothing natural about this no. flavor. And it doesn't well, taste like real you know, pumpkin. I've, when we talk about Ugh. this in the food episode, I don't know if we will or not, but um, other natural flavors can actually be artificial flavors derived from natural sources. Uh, disgusting. Yeah, right? Super All right, gross. Annie, what you got? You got I something think, else there? I think I have one more thing in my pile of things, um, which is Project 7... Pumpkin Spice Delight Gourmet Gum. Oh. It is sugar-free, so I won't keep it in my mouth very long oh. because I don't want to get a migraine from <laughs> what I was totally looking for uh, something like that gum. So I'm really yeah. glad you found gum. Probably, yeah. a, probably a sucrose in it or something. Yeah, something. It has xylitol. Oh, maybe it's just xylitol and stevia. Okay. okay. It's just that aspartame that gives me the, no, no, no. Gives me the headache. Okay. It also says, I'd like to point out, this is not a low-calorie food. <laughs> and it's three calories per piece. Yeah, not a low, understand. not a low calorie. F- I would call that low calorie. I'm don't try it. don't swallow it. <laughs> Chew. Get let that air go in there. You know. Yeah, I gotta get oh. on that taste buds. Oh God, no! Oh, this is so bad. What's it taste like? Oh, it tastes horrible. Is it safe <laughs> for your dental work? Oh, oh, shame! No. I don't even know. Shame. No. It tastes like it tastes like a. Like pumpkin spice frosting. Oh, but it's really sweet. How do they make it so sweet without any sugar? Are there All more? Of, are there more of them in that bag? Yeah. Yeah. Well, seal it up. <laughs> seal it up. <laughs> Protect the soul. Seal yeah. it up and make it go away forever. I'm gonna try one last thing, which is a shout out back to our original pumpkin spice lattes. Oh yeah. And it is, um, by Archer Farms, Target brand. Target brand. Uh, Instant Cheaper coffee. than Starbucks Instant oh, Pumpkin awesome. Spice I'm Latte. Sure it is. I'm just going to go ahead and try taste it Arch, off my finger. Archer Farms. Oh. I'd like to see the farm. <laughs> yeah, I want to go to the but it's, not but this it's just, farm. Okay, it's, it's not a good coffee farm. Not a good farm. It's so very bitter This is flavor. for the gum and for the pumpkin oh. spice latte powder. Oh. Maybe you need to get your finger wet and go deeper. So maybe. maybe. I don't even know. That's maybe. so right, gross. Right. Um, and, I mean, of course, like, granted, maybe some of this would be better with hot water <laughs> instead of just, like, <laughs> thrown in my mouth like a college yeah. student. But yeah, it is what it is. And yeah. uh, so it looks like we found just the Oreos. <laughs> Delicious. I mean, or classic, right? Mm. And the Life cereal, we said that was okay, That's too. That's all right. Yeah, I can tolerate it. I still have some in my cup. I'm going to eat it right now. Okay. So if you are a fan of pumpkin spice flavored items... Don't try most of these things, but go ahead and get yourself some Oreos, mm-hmm. not the gum. Maybe the cream cheese if you're really if you're really desperate. My for only that. beef with the Oreos is that it has as fewer cookies per box because it's limited uh. edition, which is not cool. Same price, less cookies. <laughs> if you could make anything pumpkin spice flavor, this is a question to both of you. What do you think would be good? I mean, I know I already said the marshmallow cream pumpkin spice, but. Mm. My dreams. <laughs> pumpkin spice <laughs> dreams. You just like yes. spit the orange clouds. everywhere. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is going to sound really weird, but I might like an applesauce-like product that has mm-hmm. pumpkin spice. Like yep. something that, even yep. if it was just applesauce with pumpkin pie spice in it, I think that I could get behind that. Yeah. Maybe I should just buy applesauce and put my own pumpkin pie Try spice it. in we it. Could, that's the next episode. And report back. I also think uh, rice crackers, you know how they have like ranch mm. flavored and cheddar and all those things. I think yeah. that could, because they have caramel one, right? Yeah. So that could taste really great or be terrible. I yeah. haven't decided yet. Okay. Well, it's about that time for Do Your Fudging Homework segment. Do Your Fudging Homework. Interchangeable. Right, ladies. Annie. What are you recommending today? Or actually not recommending because you're assigning the homework. I mean, I'm going to say that you should go and watch a video called Environmental Racism is the New Jim Crow. Oh, okay. And that was published by The Atlantic on June 5th, 2017. 
So if you need to go Google it, that's when it was published. Uh, Take note of how Van R. Newkirk defines environmental racism and write a paragraph about how this idea manifests in Tacoma and Pierce County. (laughs) Write a paragraph. I'm going to be checking your homework at the door, so you need to be ready to share. And if you aren't ready to share, then face the consequences of public shame. Oh, I like that. Oh, you got your bell. There we go. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to recommend something that I started to just explore and I need to do more reading around. Um, but I was reading about how in Samoan culture, they have a recognized third gender that's they recognize uh, publicly. It's like part of the social like norms there. Oh, it's not deviant at all. Um, and that I'm, I don't know if I'm going to say it right. It's fa'a fa'fina. Fina, and so essentially you're biologically male, but you identify as female. And so it mm. is a third gender that was cre- created, developed, I don't know what to say, um, based on like uh, social needs and the need for more women or people taking on more uh, traditionally defined women jobs in their society. So I started to spiral into reading about that. And so one of the things I discovered was the uh, Samoan third gender beauty pageants. Oh, It's kind of amazing. Very cool. And also there is this fantastic uh, YouTube video that I will link to that's put out by The Fee or uh, part of a Viceland, and it's called Samoan Boys Raised as Girls. And it deals and talks through and has all these great interviews just kind of exploring that, uh, the complications, the effects mm. of colonialism. It's really interesting that to really shape interesting. our ideas about gender. So if our next episode um, is not about environmentalism or the environmental movement, you should hang on to your paragraph until we have that episode because Perfect. intervening episodes may be on different topics. Um, but I'm just giving you a head start on that paragraph, okay? Thank you. So don't screw it up. All right. I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Subscribe to the other podcasts. Nerd Farmer. Move to Tacoma. Citizen Tacoma. And Flounder's B-Team. Bye. Class dismissed. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.